change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podskiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Holy moly, Mike. It's been, man, a dog's age since you and I sat down to do one of these. Uh, 2020, first one of the year, first uh, one of the new decade. Uh, what have you been up to? These the like What was it? I think December 9th, 10th, something like that was the last time we did one. And now we're on the precipice of the beginning of February. We took uh, more time off than we planned. But uh, what have you been up to? Ha- had any interesting stories to tell or have you just been uh, same old, same old? Yes, it is the season premiere of Podski Wee. I'm very excited to be back, as uh, as you are as well. I'm sure. Six um, seasons you know, doing the show. Six years, yeah. man. It's, it's crazy. Time yeah. flies. Um, but yeah, I haven't been up to much. You know, uh, Christmas obviously happened. Uh, my mom came down for a visit, which was nice, uh, since I don't have any family out here. Um, but other than that, you know, just just kind of laying low, working. You know. Doing your thing, living life. Uh, nothing too exciting going on over here. Uh, same here. You know, life's life. I've just been uh, all aboard this Niners playoff run. It's all the way to the Sunday Super Bowl. I, I know we don't talk NFL in here a ton. I know there's a lot of CFL fans that don't like the NFL, but I'm a fan of football, and I've been a 49ers fan as long as I've been a Ticats fan, quite frankly. Actually, I might have been a 49ers fan before. That might have been I the first football game I remember watching was a game between the Niners and the Bengals. And I'm not sure if it was the the second Super Bowl matchup between the two teams, but I just remember sitting at my uncle's house in downtown Hamilton with my dad, and they, we were watching a football game. And I watched Joe Montana throw a pass, and my dad tells the story of, a, like, you saw that, you got up, your uncle had a football, you threw it, we all got excited, and that was sort of like the beginning of my love for the game of football. So being a Niners fan for 30-plus years and all the – terrible teams that they've put on the field the last few years to see them make this run to the Super Bowl. It's uh, It's been pretty fun. It's, it's been a good football year for me. You know, the Niners getting to the Super Bowl. Ticats obviously got to the Grey Cup. It's uh, it's peak fandom over here, buddy. Yeah, now all you need is the uh, the Vipers to make uh, the XFL final. <laughs> I don't know what to cheer for. But... You know what? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to cheer for it. Are, are you picking an XFL team or are you uh... – uh, I'm just going to watch so. the game hoping to – I mean, if we're going to pick a team, it's probably going to be the Houston team, right? Oh, yes, because of the June Jones June connection, Jones, I believe. Yeah, Saunders, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, might, I might lean that way, actually, if I'm going to pick one team. I guess you got the the CFL connection with the, the Mark Tressman-led team. Yeah. You got a couple coaches there for the CFL, but, you know, we're not going to cheer for that team uh, if we do pick a team in the XFL. But, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl on Sunday. I uh, – I think it's going to be a really good matchup. You know, you got, uh, you know, San Francisco way better than I do, but from what I can tell, they have a 
really strong defense, especially that defensive line, and a very good running game. So, you know, my prediction is they try to keep the ball away as much as they can from that explosive offense that the Kansas City Chiefs have. Yeah, this is – the fact that the New England Patriots aren't in the Super Bowl, like, to me, as soon as they got beat in the first round by the Titans, I was like, oh, this is all good. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I have a team in the playoffs, and and yes, I want to see them win, but it's like, oh, that team that I hate is out. So, oh, I don't I, – this, this is it – was, it was so stress-free, even though my team's in it. I mean, if, if you've watched any of those Niners playoff games – I mean, especially the NFC Championship game. Like, that game was over at halftime. It was 27 nothing. It was, you know, very reminiscent in the opposite direction of what we saw in the Grey Cup with our team. So I'm, like, sitting after halftime just kind of, like, chilling. Like, going, like, this is this is an ass-kicking. Like, this is... Like, I'm texting a friend of mine who's a Niners fan going, like... like we're, we're And he's, very, he's a very, um, like, superstitious and, like, cautious fan. So he doesn't mm-hmm. like to... I'm 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 the one at the beginning of the season like the Niners were like three and oh four and oh it's like dude I think this team can go to the Super Bowl and he's like let's you know let's just pump the brakes a little bit he's he's that guy so I'm texting him like in the game I'm like dude like this 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 is over and he gets back to me he's like knock on wood knock on wood and the Packers start to make a comeback but I mean it it wasn't really ever in doubt so it's been a really stress free playoff run which is which has kind of been nice but uh, yeah just the fact that we're we're getting a Super Bowl between a really good team in San Francisco and a really good team in Kansas City. Like, obviously, I want the Niners to win, but I'm just, I'm just hoping for a really, really exciting game. And I think we're going to yeah. have one. I, th- I think these two teams are going to put on a show. Yeah, I do as well. And uh, you know what I'm really looking forward to is when uh, Shakira and J-Lo are in the, uh, in the booth <laughs> in the third quarter for an extended period of time. That's going to be great. Yeah, I can only imagine Troy Aikman. He'll, he'll be talking about uh, – Oh, his favorite Shakira and J Lo songs. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll, fa- he'll probably ask him to, di- to dial up to play, diagnose a play too. Yeah, yeah. Tell me what you <laughs> see, Shakira. <laughs> Couldn't be any worse than what um, uh, Keith Urban did in the in the Grey Cup booth. But I mean, I, I, feel, feel, I feel I feel like Jennifer Lopez probably watches football. I mean, she was like part owner of the Miami Dolphins at one point or something. Really, I did not know this. Yeah, the guy that owns the Dolphins now, like he he he's the majority owner, and then he like sold off like bits and pieces of the team to like celebrities. And I'm fairly certain that Jennifer Lopez was, was one of the people. Cause she's like, um, you know, I know she's from New York, but she's like, she's got, you know, the, the Spanish influence. And I think she spends a lot of time down in Miami. I think, I think I could be wrong. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, I, I'll feel like an asshole, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she had like a minor, 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 minor stake in the Miami dolphins. Well, I know that uh, her, her boy toy, Alex Rodriguez has a piece of the Florida Marlins as well. So maybe that, that makes sense. They both have a piece of Florida or uh, Miami teams. All right. So why don't we, uh, t- to end off talking about the NFL, why don't you make a prediction? Who you got in the Super Bowl? And don't feel like you have to pick the Niners just to appease me because I'm going Gosh. to pick the Niners. Yes. Well, I think it's going to be a close game, but uh, I give the edge slightly to the Chiefs. And, um, you know, it's just that uh, explosive offense. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, if I had to choose it would be the Chiefs by a very small margin. And, you know, I kind of, you know, that storyline with Andy Reid, um, he's had a, you know, he's been close. He hasn't been able to win the Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, this is his chance again. You're dead to me. <laughs> so you wouldn't get, you said you wouldn't get upset. <laughs> no, I look, if Kansas City wins this game with what they have on that side of the field, I, I love Andy Reid. I love watching Patrick Mahomes play, Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyron Matthew, they're, they're all-world DB. There's a lot of players on the Kansas City team I like, and 
because of the connections that the Chiefs have had over the years with the 49ers, Joe Montana went there. Um, most, most like I, when Joe Montana was traded to Kansas City, there was a, a point in my earth like that. I was like 11, I think. And I've really had a like a, a, a crisis of conscience there where I was like, do I make the switch? Because Joe Montana was my all time favorite football player. I said, no, I took the 49ers for better or worse. I'm, I'm going to stick with them. A couple years later, they win a Super Bowl with Steve Young. And, you know, there's been some ups and downs, but I, I stuck with them. But there's always been a little part of me that's like the Chiefs because of Joe Montana getting traded there and then watching them a little bit more. Uh, so if the Chiefs win, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to boohoo. I'm not going to be upset. Uh, but I just think that that defense in San Francisco and that running game, you mentioned it earlier. They're tough to beat, man. It's I think this is going to be an exciting game. I'm going to say 35-31 49ers. And, I mean, I just hope that it's uh, a lot better than last year's Super Bowl and a lot more interesting than this past year's Grey Cup, where at least – I mean, if the Niners win a blowout, I won't be upset. But I, I, th- I think we're in for for an all-time classic between these two teams. Yeah, it won't it won't take much to beat uh, this year's Grey Cup and last year's <laughs> Super Bowl because those two games – I mean, if you're a Bombers fan, then it, it must have been very enjoyable. But – if you're just a casual viewer of the game, it's uh, you know you're probably lost interest pretty quick in both those games. All right, let's switch gears from the NFL. Let's talk CFL, and more specifically, Mike. Let's talk the Hamilton Tiger Cats because that's what we're always here for. Tons of stuff to get to. We're gonna kick it off with the biggest news since the last time you and I sat down together. We're talking some quarterbacks, and we're talking the big man, number eight himself, Jeremiah Mazzoli. On the eve of the new year, I believe it was New Year's Eve itself. He signed a one-year contract to stay with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, you know, little little peek behind the curtains here. We kind of knew in advance this was going to happen. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I may have given you the, the old Iggy, the old heads up. And uh, so you and I have had a chance to talk about it. But let's tell everyone else, how do you feel about this move? One-year one deal, about $450,000, which is a, an increase in what he was making, but not that substantial increase, you know, when when Riley and Mitchell signed their big money deals last year, and even Trevor Harris, who I believe is in the six hundred thousand dollar range, they signed those big deals last year. Everyone thinking the cap's going to go up and blah 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 blah, and it doesn't end up happening. You, you, you get Mazzoli back for about four fifty on kind of a prove it deal. Let's see if he's back, you know, from the injury. If he is, I think they go forward with him. Uh, not, I, I think it's a pretty good deal, and I think what we saw last year uh, proves I, you need two quarterbacks, right? Yeah, I, I like the deal. Um, we all know that uh, Josh and I are big fans of Mazzoli. We've backed him since the beginning, and, uh, you know, he deserved that contract. He, he worked his way up up the, up the ladder in the QB rankings, and, uh, you know, it, it's good to have him back. We have Dean Emmons back. He has a restructured contract. He's getting a little bit more money. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, we're still paying more or less for two starting quarterbacks then some of the teams are paying for one. So, you know, I don't know when Mazzoli's going to be ready, um, if he's going to be ready for training camp or if he's going to miss six games or whatever. But all I know is we have two solid starting quarterbacks. If one goes down, I don't think we'll miss a beat. Now, obviously, there, you know, in a salary cap league, there's the, the possibility that the team is spending too much money at the quarterback position. But the point you made, I think, stands out. Co- combined between the two – even with Evans restructuring and, and getting a little bit more money, it wasn't a ton more money, but it was a little bit more. I think he's just over, uh, I think he's 100 120,000 in hard money this year. 
something like that. It's it's not it wasn't a huge pay bump, but it just it gives him a little extra. I think kind of a acknowledgement of what he accomplished last year when he was thrown in there. These two guys who are going to be the two like there's no doubt this this is one A one B here. Whether whoever is a starter, I mean you think they're paying Mazzoli, they're not going to pay Mazzoli nearly half a million dollars to sit on the bench, but they're going to do a quarterback competition, and I imagine the best man's going to win. And if Mazzoli's not healthy, then obviously Evans starts the year. But you look at the money they're paying him, and it is less than the Lions are paying Riley. It is less than the Stamps are paying Mitchell. And it's in the same ballpark as what Edmonton is paying Trevor Harris. And I'm not taking anything away from those from those quarterbacks. Obviously, those are three of the best, maybe the three best currently in the CFL. But if you're... If you're going to need two quarterbacks, and I, like I said, I think last year showed that, I mean, literally every team lost their opening day starter at some point. You, you kind of got to envy the position the Ticats are in here, getting these two guys on this team for less than some teams are paying just their starter. Yeah, honestly, I thought that Mazzoli might be gone. I thought yeah, that he too. might go to Toronto or, mm-hmm. or, you know, whoever needed him. And he would collect that big paycheck. Um, you know, he got a pretty good paycheck from the Ticats, but I felt that he could get more on the free agent market. And he said, you know, months before he resigned that he wanted to be back with the Tiger Cats. And I thought that might just be, you know, um, the same BS talking, that, that athletes always say, right? Like no one, yeah. no one who's about, no one who's a pending free agent says, "Oh, I hate it here and I want to leave." It's very, very, very rare. Exactly. So, you know, it shows that he is really committed to this franchise and he wants to show again that he is the starting quarterback. And uh, I, I, I just love both these guys. I love Dane. I love Jeremiah. Um, they're both solid competitors. They're they're both great on the field and off. Um, both, I believe, are, are team leaders. So to have them back, it's a, it's a very good situation for the Tiger Cats. Well, and you you look at the money. Mazzoli, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is is signed the same amount or just slightly more than Cody Fajardo got in Saskatchewan. So Cody Fajardo, you know, bit of a one-year wonder. Let's see if he can continue. Now, obviously, the Riders brought in Jason Moss, who's an excellent offensive coordinator. So maybe this is the start of him sort of taking that uptick. But you look at, like, maybe Mazzoli could have got – 500 550 on the open market but to be paying him who's a former mop candidate a former division all-star even though he is coming off the injury you're paying him the same much as a guy like cody fajardo who had one decent season i mean that's i mean that's pretty good get for the ticats and i wonder if tommy condell not getting the ottawa job was sort of the impetus for Mazzoli to come back if it was, look, I'm going to have to learn a whole new offense with someone maybe I'm not comfortable with coming off a knee injury. I do also wonder if maybe there would be sort of a rush to get him back on the field. Whereas I, I think he comes back here. He knows, all right, we got Dane Evans. If Dane Evans got to start six games, and then Mazzoli resumes the starting starting job. I mean, that it's, there's no, he's, you, you go to a team like Ottawa, you go to a team like Toronto who are in desperate need of a sort of face of the franchise guy, and maybe there's this rush to get him back on the field before he's ready, whereas here he knows he can kind of take his time. He's comfortable in the offense. He's not spending the entire offseason learning new schemes, getting into a new playbook. 
you got to think that there's th- th- that level of comfortability is why a lot of players, especially you don't you don't see quarterbacks move very often at, at starting level ones. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you know, you'll, you'll get a Mike Riley, you'll get a Trevor Harris every now and then who will jump ship. But a lot of guys you see move are, are sort of backups. Mazzoli, it, it feels like, like you, you said earlier, I mean, I don't even think it was the offseason. I think it was still the end of the regular season. I want to be here. I want to come back. And that sounds like BS, but I mean, he put pen to paper. So I guess he was telling the truth. Yeah, and if you you know a guy like him coming off an injury, if he signs with another team, um, you know with a new coordinator, a new system, he has to learn. If he's rushed back and he doesn't perform well in that season, that could be his career. Mm-hmm. You know, this way he's coming back to the Tiger Cats. He knows the system. He's comfortable. Um, if he doesn't perform right away, we have Dane coming in, and uh, you know it's just a better situation for him. Because Toronto and Ottawa, you know, they had a rough season last year. It, it could be um, a while before that those teams bounce back. So I, I just think this is a smart move for Mazzoli and for the Tiger Cats. Well, and now we have it set up here with these two guys where Mazzoli's on a one-year deal. Evans has two years left in this deal. So we're going to know at the end of this season who is going to be the guy for this team going forward if – if Mazzoli comes back and he falters and Evans takes over, Mazzoli sits on the bench. He's a free agent next year. He goes and finds greener pastures somewhere else and becomes a starter. Who knows? I'm sure some team at some point will be looking for a starting quarterback. And then they go with Dane Evans. If Mazzoli lights it up, comes back and is his old self, then he can get a multi-year big money contract. He's the Ticat starter for the next three, four, five years. You trade Dane Evans, who is a starter in waiting. Yep. You, you, you can deal him to a team that's desperate for a quarterback for maybe a first-round pick or a couple of draft picks or draft picks. I mean, if Johnny Manziel can get what he got, I understand he was he was a name guy, but if he can fetch what he got, imagine what Dane Evans, who has a proven – like, look at the numbers. Look at, look at the wins. Look at everything. That's a guy who could be in the Nick Arbuckle scenario where – We've seen a little bit of what he can. We've seen a lot more of, of Evans than we saw of Arbuckle, and look what Arbuckle got in return for Calgary just for Ottawa to have the option to negotiate with him for a couple mm-hmm. of months. You know what I mean? So if you get Evans, who will be under contract uh, a season from now, you get a guy who's not becoming a pending free agent. You get a guy who can come in and start for you right away. It, it, I think it puts the Ticats in a very advantageous position, and at a, at a, a year from now, less than a year from now, next off season like say November or late November, early December into January. Um, we're finally going to have an answer as to who the quarterback, who's going to be the quarterback for the foreseeable future for this team. And I, I think the Ticats have done a really nice job in setting it up this way. Yeah. And it, it, it's hard to get um, valuable pieces back in trades in the CFO, unless you're trading uh, a proven starting caliber quarterback. And Dane Evans is just that now. I mean, he led the Tiger Cats to a Grey Cup. He, he's still young. Um, there's so much upside to him. You could get a lot of value back if you decided to go with Mazzoli next year. Well, and we've seen – I mentioned Arbuckle, but James Franklin was another guy. Mike Riley mm-hmm. at one point was a guy It doesn't take who... much, right? I mean, just a backup coming in, performing yep. well in a couple games can get a guy a starting gig. Yeah, like James Franklin had a few starts for Edmonton in the year that they won the Grey Cup, and I'm not sure if he saw the field after that. And teams were like, this is the next guy. And, mm-hmm. and Toronto ponied up a lot to go get him. Mike Riley, the guy that he filled in for in Edmonton, 
was a backup in BC, played a couple games when Travis Lula got hurt, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is the next star. And Edmonton traded some picks to go get him so they could negotiate with him. And obviously it worked out. With Franklin, it didn't. Uh, with Arbuckle, we'll see what the case is. But this is not abnormal to see sort of backup quarterbacks who get a little bit of game film on them. And there's – and those th- these guys didn't have anywhere near the amount of experience that Evans got this year. Like – Obviously, he had his ups and downs, and, and we detailed that throughout the year, talking about his game, but there were a hell of a lot more ups than there were downs, and he's a young, what, 24, 25? I think he's a young player who has playoff, he has playoff starting experience as, as a young quarterback. He has wins behind his belt. He, if, if the Ticats decide, or if it's, if it's proven that Mazzoli is going to be healthy enough and can get back to the the form he had when he was the East Division MLP and the Ticats then have to make a decision go, okay, we're going to do what's best for Dane Evans. We're going to trade him. They're going to get a lot back for him. A lot. I, I totally agree. And it's just the way of the C- – that's how the CFL works, right? It's not – you're not – there's not quarterbacks coming out of college that are like pegged for the uh, starting quarterback position in the CFL. You have to be a backup and you have to take advantage – of your opportunities and then you will if you do you will probably you will more than likely be a starting quarterback soon yeah absolutely uh the other quarterbacking news from the tie cats came out earlier this week uh david watford our short yardage guy from a year ago signed a two-year deal to stay with the team so i think it's pretty safe to say that we know who the three quarterbacks for the tie cats are going to be which means unless something drastic happens i can't see them dipping their toes in any free agent waters to pick up a, a backup quarterback but uh not to spend too much time on it, but Watford coming back. I liked him in short yardage last year. He was signed after Mazzoli got hurt. And, uh, I mean, he looked to me, if I believe it was the final game of the season, he came in and, and sort of led the team to that comeback win against Toronto. I I liked what I saw to him. I think he's a guy worth developing. Could be could eventually be the backup to whomever, which in a year's time, whoever whichever quarterback the Ticats decide to stick with, Watford becomes the backup and... I'd like to see how further he can develop. But I think short yardage is, is what he's going to do for the foreseeable future. And I thought he was great at it. Yeah, yeah. There was a little – there was some hiccups at the at the start when he uh, got in, when he first signed and got into a game with the short yardage. But after that, he really uh, excelled in that position. And, uh, you know, he I was going to mention that last game as well. He, he showed that he can, he can throw the ball effectively as well. So, yeah, I like the signing. It's uh, – it's it's a good uh, he, he's going to be a solid backup in this league I think. Yeah, I don't ever expect him to be a starting quarterback, but for a guy who can who if he I I I just remember again it's it's really off the top of my head and from memory, but I just remember him coming into that final game and I think I, he didn't play a lot. I think he played like maybe a quarter. I just remember him going out there and looking looking a lot better than Hayden Moore did. Now, Hayden Moore was a raw rookie making his first start, so it's understandable he'd be a little jittery. I just thought Watford came in and, and made some throws and, and, and looked really, really good. So to see to see him come back, to see this quarterback room once again be the exact same guy, it's very rare to get this much continuity in the CFL. So to see all these guys back, I, I think it's a good thing. Speaking of back, Mike, the other big signing, and this is a literal big signing, and this is a big man. Ted Laurent is coming back to the Ticats. I don't have the, the dates in front of me, but this has got to be the record for the quickest he's ever re-signed with his team. It always feels like he's just before free agency opens or like the day after. That's when he decides he's coming back. I, I just can't believe they got a two-year deal, too. It's, he's usually signing those one-year packs, but he's, he's coming back for two years. And 
it's just a, another piece of the puzzle that uh, the Ticats get to keep on the field. Yeah, he's a he's a staple in the middle of that defensive line for the Tiger Cats. He's he's been on the team for quite a while now. I almost forget who he played for before the Tiger Cats. I think it was the Alouettes, right? Uh, Edmonton. Oh, really? Yeah, came into league with Edmonton. Played like two years oh, okay. there. Went to try the NFL and then said he wanted to come to Hamilton. Well, he's been magnificent ever since he's been here. Uh, I'm I'm very happy to have Big Teddy back and that uh, bring back him. And then we need to bring back a couple other guys on the defensive line, and we should be good. But uh, there was another signing on the defensive line as well. Why don't you tell us about Indeed. that? Indeed. Julian Hauser signed a two-year deal to come back, and he's the un- he was the unheralded fourth guy on that defensive line last year. But I believe it was Derek Taylor put out some stats that he was like second or third in the league in quarterback pressures a year ago. So, I mean, you, you get a guy like that back, he-, he seems like one of those guys that could be a breakout candidate in 2020. Yeah, he, I believe he came in, filled in for Adrian Tracy once he went down, and uh, did a hell of a job. Uh, I, I was surprised at uh, you know the year that he had because we didn't really know much about him. But uh, I'm glad to have him back on the outside of that defensive line as well. Here's my only negative about these signings, and it's not about either of the signings. It's what it could mean, and it makes me wonder if. There might not be a ton of money to be able to bring back those two other guys that you were you kind of alluded to earlier, Jagarrett Davis and Dylan Wynn. It's how much money can this team put into its defensive line before there's just not enough money left. And obviously I want to see both of those guys return just like you do. I'm a little skeptical if that can happen now. Now, again, we don't have any numbers here. The CFL doesn't release salary information, but – you, you got to think with, with bringing Mazzoli back on a bigger deal, with restructuring Evans' contract, giving him a little money. Ted Laurent did not come cheap. I can't imagine Julian Hauser's making top pass rusher money, but he's he didn't come back for league men. You know what I mean? And there's a couple other mm-hmm. signs. One, one signing in particular that I know we're going to talk about in a second that, that didn't come cheaply either. It, it, it kind of concerns me that maybe we're going to lose one or both of those other two guys. And man, that would that, like, I, I still think the Ticats can, can find guys. They, they, I mean, they found Julian Hauser, quite frankly, no one knew who he was a couple of years ago when they brought him in. So I know that they can find guys, but man, it would, it would be really nice if they could bring back all four. I just don't know how feasible that is. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And, you know, Davis had a, a, a typical year for him. Outstanding. Um, and Dylan Wynn, uh, I felt, really had a breakthrough year. He was just tremendous on the inside. You know, he had almost double-digit sacks, I believe. No, he did. He had 11. He had 11 sacks yeah, as so, a defensive tackle. That's incredible. Yeah, as an interior defensive lineman, is it, it, tremendous. Him and Ted Laurent were just a scary tandem. So it would suck to lose those guys, I think that maybe we'll get one of them back and, and lose the other guy, but it, it's hard to choose between those two guys. Um, I, I don't envy the uh, scouting department and the general managers um, deciding who to bring back on that defensive line. Yeah, you want to bring, every, especially from a team that went 15-3 and three and made the Grey Cup, you want to bring as many guys back as possible because you feel like we're, we're this close, and, I, and I'm putting my fingers up. I know we're not a video show, but... Like you're you're this close to to finally getting over the hump, but it's just it's so hard to be able to to bring back every single player just because that's that's just not the way that that it, uh, the cap world works. There's there's a ton of players from this team that are still free agents that you want to see back, and unfortunately, 
a few of them won't be. One of them that I don't, I think what the Hauser signing also says is that Adrian Tracy's time in Hamilton is probably done. Uh, a yeah. guy that, man, look like he, he, he does and, and still does have a world of talent, just couldn't stay healthy. And that's, I don't, I don't remember what famous football coach said it, but someone said like, you can't make the team from the ice tub. And, and unfortunately Tracy's probably spent more time on injured reserve than he has on the actual football field the last few years. And I, I just think that uh, given what we've seen now that with Hauser getting a, a two year deal, a, a second contract as a veteran American, I think we're waving bye bye to Adrian Tracy. Yeah, I think so as well. You know, the guy has had a ton of potential, um, but because of injuries, he just wasn't able to live up to it. Uh, I don't think we'll, he'll be back with the Tiger Cats, but I wish him the best of luck wherever he lands, uh, if he lands somewhere else in the CFL. So I think this is my favorite re-signing, Mike. Tunde Adelike is coming back. And this was this was a guy who I thought he had signed a two-year contract uh, with the team last year, but I guess it was only a one-year deal. But he gets a two-year deal this time around. And he was one of, counting Tetherant, five Canadians the Ticats have re-upped with. Uh, Curtis Newton, a special teams ace, is bringing Bob Brack. Kay Okafor, a developmental offensive lineman, is bringing Bob Brack on a two-year deal. And Mike Daly is bring, is returning on, uh, I mean, no terms were announced, so I'm guessing it's probably a one-year deal. So these are all good signings. Daly and Newton will continue to perform admirably on special teams. Uh, Daly will back up Adelike and play some spots on the defense. And then we get Tunde Adelike back, who for my money is the best Canadian free safety in the CFL. I mean, he was the CFL all-star safety last year. So we kind of proved that, but you, you look at this defense, you, you know, Delvin bros coming back. You got a delicate back, Ted Laurent's back, you know, Simone's going to be back. Like you, you at least have sort of the, the core, if you have to build around these guys with some, with some rookie players or some newer players, the, the core of this defense, the guys that I think are the core of this defense, are returning. Uh, that, that's just a good sign for me. And th- this is a delicate signing when it came out. I was grinning ear to ear. Yeah, I think I think it's huge for the Tiger Cats and the daily signing as well because, you know, you, you just add depth to that position. And yep. I think both of those guys could play linebacker position if, uh, yep. if in a pitch. So, um, you know, they're both versatile. A delicate, I like him because of his speed. He can, you know – um, close the gap. Um, if the receiver is open, he can get to him and, and knock down that deep ball if need be. So, um, yeah, I, I was thrilled with the Adelike signing because he's just he just he's just getting better and better as we go along. Yeah, I was worried when it was like he's a free agent. I'm thinking, oh man, they're going to lose him to Ottawa because he's a Carlton guy. It's like, oh man, he's he's going to go back to where he's familiar. And then when it, when it came out a couple weeks ago that he was returning, I was like. Oh, this is oh, this is just such a weight because like when they re-signed Mike Daly because they signed Daly. Daly's re-signing kind of went under the radar because it happened the day before Mazzoli re-signed, so it was like kind of forgotten almost. When they brought him back, I was thinking like, okay, is this sort of a, like obviously he he's he's talented enough to start. He started for this team before, and you and I talked about it when we were talking about the list of free agents that came out. I think it was on the last show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you said you thought that he might. He, he, he was going to go somewhere else and probably sign with, like, say, a Toronto because they needed a starting safety. And uh, to see him come back, my thinking was, okay, did they bring him back? Like, obviously, he's really good on special teams, but did they bring him back to sort of hedge their bets in case Adelike does decide to sign somewhere else? Okay, well, at least we still have Mike Daly. And Mike Daly can start in a pinch. Maybe they can draft a guy that can, in a year or two, can can fill that starting safety spot. You, know, you never know. That, that's what was going through my head. So then when Adelike signed, I was like, oh, this just makes the team better. 
because you still have a guy in Daly who can, who is going to be outstanding on special teams as he has been his entire career and can can start and play some he played some defense in the playoffs like he was on the field and like passing downs especially so i i just think that this makes this team just better as a whole yeah it, <clears throat> and you look at you know guys like Mazzoli and, and Daly who who are guys that could be starters and and you know Mazzoli you know, is probably going to be the starting quarterback, but I'm just saying they could be starters on other team, maybe make a little bit more money, and they decided to come back to the Tiger Cats. I think that it shows <clears throat> the players want to be on this team. They're confident in the coaching staff and just in the in the franchise as a whole. So that's a really good a good sign for our favorite CFL team. Unfortunately, our favorite CFL team lost a couple of players over the uh, the last month or so. Uh, but for good reason. There are guys that are going to get an opportunity to, to the big show in the NFL. Braylon Addison and Liram Hyralahu were both released for NFL opportunities. Hyralahu is yet to sign with the team, although I'm imagining it's likely to be imminent. And Braylon Addison signed with the Minnesota Vikings. So, I mean, I'm not a Vikings fan. Obviously, we spent the first 10 minutes of the show talking about how I like the Niners. But I will be watching Braylon Addison hopefully make him plays for the Vikings. And uh, we'll have to see where Hyralahu lands. I'm a little surprised that Hyralahu got released just because... I don't, I, I didn't see him as an NFL kicker, but I mean, Brett Maher left the CFL to go kick and he got to go kick for the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you can never, you can never tell, but obviously wish congratulations and, and much success. I, as much as I want to see them play for our team, I hope we never see them in the CFL again. And I hope they end up going down South like Eric Harris did make a million of dollars and being stars in the NFL. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, Braylon Addison is going to be a big loss to the Tiger Cats, though. It's uh, that's a lot of production that needs to be replaced. Uh, I'm sure they'll find the guys to do it, but uh, tremendous receiver, uh, great route runner. Um, not the fastest guy in the world, but he has speed as well. So, you know, it's interesting. They have uh, Braylon Addison signed with the Vikings, and they also have another former CFL receiver in uh, Brandon Zilstra. So. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't know if they either one of those guys will be a starter with the Vikings next year because um, I think they have the the starters lined up. I'm not sure about the free agency and all that, but um, I'm looking. I, I hope that they get on the field and we can watch them ball down south. And same with Harulahu. I mean, a couple of years ago we wouldn't even call him by his first or by <laughs> his first or last name. Yep. Um, but the guy has a leg. Um, he's very accurate from long distance. So, yeah, maybe he will be a successful field goal kicker down there. So thinking about what this means for the Ticats, obviously with the Hyralahu release, it, it it's simple. They're they're in the market for a kicker, punter, and kickoff guy. Like that's – there's not really much to dissect there. But with Addison, losing him from the receiving core makes it kind of – what will the Ticats do? We know Brandon Banks is going to return, and we know Jalen Acklin's going to return. We also know that they're going to start a Canadian in the receiving core – whether that's Mike Jones, who's a free agent, or if they draft a guy, I am of the impression that there's there's a there was a rookie on the team last year. They drafted in the third round, David Unger. I think he's going to be given the opportunity, and I think Mike Jones will be going elsewhere. But that kind of leaves two receiving spots open a little bit there. So you you think of okay, well Marcus Tucker was a guy that came in and played really well last year. He's still he's still signed. Maybe he gets an opportunity. And then the thought creeped into my head. Does this open the door for Luke Tasker to return? Because the Ticats are going to be starting four American receivers. I, I, I feel safe in assuming Banks, Acklin, and Tucker are three of them. 
Why, why not? Even, even if, you know, he's coming off obviously an injury plague season, but he had 2000 yard seasons the two years before that. I believe he tied for the league league in touchdown catches uh, in 2018. I I'm, I'm it, this, this is the, I, I thought Tasker was gone. I think the age and injuries, I thought they were going to let him go, but losing Addison, I don't know, Mike, I feel like maybe, maybe the, the, the man you named your cat after might be, might be returning. I certainly hope so. Um, I had my doubts. I thought that maybe, you know, he he might be leaving the Tiger Cats just because, you know, maybe his time has passed um, on this team. But um, I got my fingers crossed that he'll be back. I think that he's still a productive receiver. Um, you know, we didn't see the best of him last year because of the injuries, but um, I still think he can be that guy that uh, gets those tough first downs over the middle and, and plays like that. So, We'll see. You know that I want him back, but uh, does the team think he's uh, valuable enough to bring back? And and maybe we see some uh, some free agents brought in with this, with this receiving core because I like Jalen Acklin, I like uh, Tucker, but they're not exactly proven receivers right now. And the only guy that's really a, a star um, is obviously Brandon Banks that is on the roster right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how this receiving core breaks down as we get closer to the season. And I like them. I like them to bring back Anthony Coombs. I think that he had, well, you know, he didn't. He wasn't on the field a ton, but when he was, I thought that he was very productive as well. I can't. And he's a Canadian, so yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. Coombs coming back would be, I think, a big boon. I think, I think Coombs is, if especially if they're going to start a Canadian at running back, you bring a guy like Anthony Coombs back. He can obviously he can play running back. We saw him do it against the Alouettes in the game that Sean Thomas Erlington got hurt in. I think he had like a hundred yard, over a hundred yards from scrimmage in that game. Uh, and he's a guy that can that can produce in, in the passing game. I would really like to see Anthony Coombs return as well. Do, do, you know what I do find funny about all this, though, talking about Tasker coming back, is I just remember just after the season ended, I was inundated. Obviously, the Ticats lose the Grey Cup, and all of a sudden, all those trolls in Ottawa come out and uh, start hammering me for it. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you lost the Grey Cup. And a couple of them were like, yeah, and you're going to lose your starting quarterback and your offensive coordinator and your number one receiver in Condell, Mazzoli, and... And Tasker now, I mean, put aside the fact that Tasker's not the team's number one receiver and Jeremiah Mazzoli was hurt, so he wasn't even the team's number one quarterback at the time. But, I mean, Condell's back, Mazzoli's back. How funny would it be if, yeah, yeah, those three are going to leave and team up in Ottawa if they – well, they all teamed up, but they just stayed in Hamilton. Yeah, they don't want to go to that that tire fire in Ottawa. I mean, that's <laughs> a, and Mets over there. Why would they want to go there? Or yeah. Toronto. I mean, come on. Exactly. Let's be real here. I mean, if the money's there, I suppose – Tasker might end up there, but uh, yeah, I mean, we brought back uh, a lot of fans have been complaining about the free agent signings, but uh, or lack thereof. But I thought we've done a pretty good job so far. Things are going to pick up here soon. Well, and guys have expiring contracts for a reason. Like, not to go back to the NFL, but a lot of the talk down south is how Tom Brady's going to be a free agent for the first time and how, like, how has he not signed a new contract with New England? And does that mean he doesn't want to come back? And it's like, there's a reason that guys didn't sign extensions. They want to test the market and see what is out there. And then with this new open tampering window where teams can can give offers to players so that they can go back to their, to their teams. Like, if you're a player who – let's use Luke Tasker as an example – Maybe he's got got an offer from the Ticats that he feels is, you know, not not up to his standard. Like it's 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 lower than what he would 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 have liked. So 
he waits until this. I, I think this tampering window opens up. I think it's Monday, maybe Tuesday. It's not. I mean, we're like a week and a half from free agency, so it's like it's not that long. And it's like a week. I don't know. I can't remember what the date was, but anyway, it opens up and. Maybe he'll field offers from other teams, get to take those back to the Ticats and go, look, this is what Toronto's going to give me, or this is what BC's going to give me, or whatever team it is. And then the Ticats can make a decision from there, and then Tasker can make a decision as well. Why Why wouldn't you do that if you were a player? Now, obviously, some players opt to resign, and, and that's that's perfectly fine. They, they like... You're seeing a lot of younger guys, I think. You look at a guy like Adele Kay or, or even real veteran players like Laurent. Laurent's going to get paid no matter where he goes. He's comfortable in Hamilton. They offer him a fair deal. He decides to stay. Some guys might get more money to go somewhere else. So, I mean, it's I'm not saying you're an idiot if you resign because I think that that's obviously stupid. But if if you have this – if you feel like you're a player who can still contribute and still be a top-level player, why wouldn't you wait until you can see what other teams are going to offer you before you re-up with the team that you were with? Exactly, and it doesn't it, just because they're looking at their option. It doesn't mean that they're not going to come back to the Tiger Cats. No, Ted Laurent did it all the time. Like I said, like I, I joked yeah. about it, this is the earliest Ted Laurent's ever signed. He's gone to free agency like three times since he's been here. Come back every time. Yeah, and it, and it's not like you know I know there it's a tandem deal with the general managers in, in Hamilton. They're I'm sure they're trying their best to bring back guys. Um, they're not just sitting on their asses. This is their jobs. This is what they do. Uh, everyone needs to just, you know, calm down a bit. We're going to get the players. You know, there's a, there's a plan in place, I'm sure. They know who they really need to bring back and who they want to bring back. And, uh, you know, I have, I have full faith that they will make the right decisions. You love Luke Tasker. I, I don't feel like I'm stepping out of line by saying he's probably your favorite player of this current era of the team. Yeah. Yep. yep. If I was to tell you right now, that they will lose Luke Tasker, but they will win the Grey Cup in November. What, what, what would you rather have? Oh, yeah, obviously I'll take the Grey Cup any day of the week. I mean, exactly. I like. I'm a huge fan of Luke Tasker, but if he leaves, you know, he leaves. I mean, it's just, it's the way that of the business. So um, he will be missed, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't cling to individual players like like some fans do, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just not my thing. Uh, I just want the team to do well. Yeah, no matter who's on the field for them, you want to see them. Yeah. I mean, dude, we cheered for Chad Owens for a year, and that was exactly. weird. But yeah. if they would have won the Grey Cup that year and Chad Owens is on that Grey Cup as a member of the, what was it, 2016 Hamilton Tiger Cats Grey Cup champions, I, I would have been, so been happy with it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, last bit, bit of Tiger Cat news before we talk about some CFL stuff. Uh, coaching news. We didn't touch on this. This happened a while ago, but – we talked about how Tommy Condell's coming back. We talked about how Jeff Reinbold was coming back. And then about a week or two weeks after we last recorded, Mark Washington officially signed his name on the dotted line to return for the 2020 season. All three of the Ticats coordinators are coming back. Obviously, head coach Orlando Steinhauer is coming back. We talked about how Sean Burke didn't take the Montreal Alouette's job, so the front office is staying intact. Man, this type of continuity, especially for teams that are super successful, is very, very rare I just think this means good things for the Ticats in 2020. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? the I can't remember the exact years, but the year we went to the Grey Cup against Saskatchewan, the year after that, we had a ton of continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost the Grey Cup, obviously, by a small margin to Calgary. But it reminds me of that. You know, I, I have a lot of faith in this team this upcoming season. And, uh, you know, I think, I, you know, not to get ahead of myself, but I think we have a good shot of getting back to the Grey Cup and, and maybe winning it depending on um, you know how free agency plays out, and I think it's going to be 
I think it's going to be fine. I think the the team will be fine. So it it, it kind of reminds me of that 2014 season. I want to say. Yep. Um. So yeah, I, I'm pretty happy about that. And uh, you know, to get all the coordinators back is a huge deal. Um. Mark Washington's back. As we've talked about the other guys, but Mark Washington come back as defensive coordinator is a big deal because the defense was, you know, tremendous last year. It had its problems at times with the run game, but but overall, it was a, a great season for Ticats defense. I remember when they brought him in about a year ago, a little more, 13 months ago, when, when he was brought in as the defensive coordinator. I remember you and I were discussing this on the show, obviously, and mm-hmm. you brought up these stats about how when he was D.C. and B.C., his his defense was kind of like middle of the pack, and you were a little concerned, and you, and you were like, I was like, okay, he makes some solid points, and I think this was this past season, 2019, was the best season Mark Washington has put together as a defensive coordinator. I think he is not long for the coordinator ranks. I think at some point a team is going to give him the opportunity to be a head coach in this league, and I think it will be well-deserved. But to get him back, column plays, I think it, it – Shows the players who are here, hey, man, you you know what you're going to get. Like the guys that were here in 2019 that might be free agents, maybe they're willing to come back for a second year knowing exactly who they're going to get coaching them in 2020. And it's the same guy as last time. It's a guy they're familiar with and a guy they're comfortable with. You look at – sometimes we, we, we discuss continuity and think that it's like the be-all and end-all because you hear kind of like, oh, you need continuity here or you want continuity there. Continuity is great if your team's winning. If you're mm. an eight and ten team, or a seven and eleven team, or a six, you know what I mean, like, and you bring everyone back, it's like, okay, is that like the Ty Cats brought a lot of people back from the twenty, what was it, twenty seventeen team? They brought a lot of those guys back for twenty eighteen, and we we're all like, okay, well, we we saw like, oh, look what they did with June Jones, and look, look how they they went six and four in the second half of the season, they made a push for the playoffs, and it's like they're bringing all these guys back, and that's great. Twenty eighteen, they go eight and ten, like they brought back players and coaches from a team. That was middle of the road. And surprise, surprise, they finished middle of the road the year after. So they made some change. They brought in, obviously, better players, changed up the coaching staff. This year they go 15-3, and and they make it to the Grey Cup. So when you bring continuity back on a team like that, I feel like that should get you more excited than just saying, like, you want continuity for the sake of continuity. Right. I mean, if the team's garbage, then... Continuity doesn't mean a damn thing, right? So. Yeah, like, would, would Red Blacks fans be happy if they're like, we're bringing back all the coaches from last year, we're bringing back all the players from last year, and it's like, dude, we went 3-15, thir- yeah. and 15. like, what's what's to like yeah. about this? Yeah, Will Arndt is going to be the starting <laughs> quarterback. John Jenny could have start. Yeah, well, we, we, old, old Willie Boy signed. Uh, yeah, with BC. With BC. I mean, he'll, I'm sure he's kind of, a fine backup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he starts already. for him, they're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, big time trouble. Big time trouble. But yeah, it's it's great to see them all back. Um, you know, the only guy we lost, I was a little bit worried about uh, Reinbold because I heard that uh, June Jones was kind of trying to get him to the Houston Roughnecks or whatever they're called. And but they they got, I think they stole Dennis McKnight. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's not he's not a coordinator, so I'm sure we'll be able to replace him with someone. Yeah, it's a loss losing losing a quality coach like that is a loss, but. You got you have, you have to expect some attrition on the coaching staff, whether it's guys getting opportunities in other leagues, guys getting opportunities to coach in college, guys getting a chance to be uh, to step up from position coach to coordinator or to become a head coach. You know what I mean? Like you, you got to expect some some losses on the coaching staff. So it's been very minimal for the Thai Cats, but you know you get you got the head with Orlando and you got the three the three big ones and the coordinators. 
I mean, it. I think it. I mean, we're sitting here in late January, obviously talking about how it's going to bode in the summer and the fall. But I think it. I think it looks really good for this team uh, going into this season. And if I could just go off base for a second, I'm. Uh, I'm surprised that Johnny Menzel didn't get a, a, a job in the XFL, especially with a guy like June Jones coaching the Houston Rub, uh, Roughnecks. June Jones said he might be the best player that ever played in the CFL. Obviously, his time in Hamilton um, made him a little weary of bringing him to another team that he was coaching. So he did not do himself any favors by the way he acted in the CFL, obviously. I know that's completely out <laughs> of that field. But, uh, you know, he, sh- he shouldn't have dogged it here in the CFL. It, it affected his career. I mean, I, I think – Aside from us talking about the trade of Johnny Manziel, that might be the last time we ever uh, his, yes. fo- his football career is over. Yeah, yeah, I think it's done. Oh so. my God, he went to the AAF, didn't he? He did. He played for a couple games uh, before for which. Yep. So, no one's interested in him. So I guess you know his his shitty attitude has uh, brought him down big time. All right, let's talk about some CFL news uh, quickly. Coaching news. Uh, obviously, these all happened, I think, back in December. So this is some old news here. But Edmonton hired Scott Milanovic as their head coach. The Argos fired Corey Champlin after one season and hired Ryan Dinwiddie as their head coach. That's four new head coaches in the CFL this year. Paul Apolis obviously got the head job in Ottawa. Rick Campbell got the job in BC. Milanovic in Edmonton. Dinwiddie in Toronto. Of these four hires, Mike... Which one do you think has the could have the quickest chance to be successful, and which one do you think is the one who you're the least confident in that will be successful, whether this year or going into the future? Well, one I didn't like was uh, it may surprise some people. I don't know about Scott Milanovic in Edmonton. Wow, I know he's a Grey Cup winning coach, um, but I just don't like his offense. I think. I think he's played out in the CFL. You know, uh, Trustman ran a similar offense, and he's out of the league now. Uh, I just don't think it works anymore. This this uh, check down offense that you know is just boring. It's terrible to watch. It's I don't think it's effective anymore. I think it's going to be a big letdown in Edmonton. I am stunned because mm-hmm. honestly, I think he's got the the chance to be the most successful at least at first. You look at that team in Edmonton, and it's guys he's familiar. Like you talk about a checkdown offense, that's Trevor Harris, baby. That's what he likes to do. Um, yeah. He's worked with Milanovic before. I think Edmonton obviously they made the playoffs last year, got to the East Final. I think maybe long term this isn't the best hire. I think long term the best hire is Paul Apolis in Ottawa. I think him getting a second chance, second bite at the apple to be a head coach. It's, I think it's going to take a year or two. They need to be patient in Ottawa with him because I think he's got a very large rebuild there, especially he has to find a quarterback. And obviously they traded for Nick Arbuckle, which we'll talk about in a second. Matt Nichols, which we'll also talk about in a second, is out there. Um, I think long-term, that's the that's the, the hiring I like best. Short-term, like I think Edmonton can, can with, with Milanovic, you make a good point. I, I didn't think about how his offense might be outdated for the CFL. That's a very interesting point. I just think of what Edmonton has, and given that Milanovic isn't a wildfire like Jason Moss was, I feel like he's a more stabilizing force. 
I think they could very well be a, a dark horse Grey Cup contender this year. So I, I was very surprised to say that. Well, you I were, just think that you, you have the check down offense, you know, three yards, three, four yards uh, a gain, and you have a quarterback who can't throw touchdowns. So I don't know, man. I, I could be way off on this. I, I love the fact that you went you went at this, though, because, like, I don't I think everyone and their grandmother is going to say Ryan Dinwiddie is is the one that they're least because he's the guy who doesn't have a name. He's the guy who is getting his first crack. He's going to a team that was terrible. So I think everyone's thinking, like, out of these four, Dinwiddie's the one. So I love the fact that you were like, no, nah, it's Milanovic, man. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to go, uh, you know, Rick Campbell in BC. Rick Campbell's a good coach, but if you look at his record in Ottawa, it's not that impressive. I think it's under 500 by, you know, a, 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 bit, a bit of a, Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you got these these big names, but I, I'm gonna think I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that if if um, I think Dinwiddie is is an interesting hire. He's a young guy. He might bring some new perspectives uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Toronto was a was a tire fire last year, but I think there's some talent on there. If you if you get a quarterback um, like Arbuckle or or Nichols or even um, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson, who uh, I think is a little bit underrated. I think he he was on a terrible team last year, and I think he performed really well. So if you could get uh, McBLT as a backup and, and Nichols or Arbuckle as your starter, there might be there might be some room for success in Toronto. I think Dinwiddie is also going to take time. I think that's not a one year fix in Toronto. I think they also need to be patient. They need to they need to get a quarterback. Obviously, like, surprisingly, the the two teams that I think are going to take the most amount of time to get this right are the two teams that need quarterbacks. I, I think I said it when we talked about Rick Campbell getting hired by BC. I don't I don't like that move. I think that there was just as much of a chance that Devon Claybrooks could have turned that around in BC as there is. Like to me, yeah. BC BC screams even with Mike Riley there. BC screams to me like a nine and nine team at best, and I don't think Rick Campbell is the type of coach that can take an average team and get them to elite level. I think he I think he's a good coach. I think he's an overrated coach simply because he's got one gray cup rank. Like if if I was to rank the head coaches in the CFL, like I would take obviously I'd take Dave Dickinson over him. I would take Michael Shea over him. I would take Orlando Steinhauer over him. And those are like no doubt. I like Craig Dickinson probably seeing what he like he took a, a decent team in Saskatchewan and and kept them like they were twelve and six, and he got them to thirteen and five. So they basically basically say the same, and that's hard to do when you change the head coach. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Even so Gahari Gahari Jones, like I Gahari Jones, take him I think over. absolutely, Campbell. absolutely, I would take Gahari Jones over Rick Campbell. And I'm not trying to. I know people will say like, oh, you don't like Ottawa, and Campbell was in Ottawa. I'm just not sold on him being this difference maker of a head coach. I I think he is a fine hire. But I don't think that BC is going to be exponentially better in 2020 than they were in 2019 just because they swapped out a head coach that had zero experience starting the season with a guy who's got some, but most of it being mediocre. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I think that Clay Bricks deserved another year in BC to turn it around, and I think they they fired him too soon. It, it was a jerk reaction, knee-jerk reaction, and uh, – We'll no, see. You, uh, you had it right I the first time. It was a jerk reaction. It was a jerk reaction. Yeah. The guy that runs the show in BC at Herbie is a jerk. Yeah, yeah, he, he does have that reputation, doesn't he? He likes to throw people under the bus. Um, he obviously didn't build that team 
he brought in a lot of big names and uh, didn't uh, worry about the uh, you know the lesser known names of the team to build it up. You know the so yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Maybe they might be improved just because they were improving as the season went along. The BC Lions, but yeah, I I'm with you. I don't see it being like I don't see them being a 13 and five team or 14 and four team at the top of the Western uh, Division this year. Finally, our long national nightmare is over. The Montreal Alouettes finally have new owners. They also have a new GM, which we'll talk about in a second. But Sid Spiegel and Gary Stern are now the new owners of the Montreal Alouettes. Mike, how great is it to finally just not have to talk about the league owning the Owls? And who, it's just nice to put this to bed, isn't it? It is nice. Um, it was a it was a long uh, drug. It was a long, long story that, that that had many twists and turns with the owners coming in, different owners, um, you know, uh, Eric LaPointe's guys and all these different guys that sounded interested. And then out of the blue, it just you, – you didn't even hear about these guys. And uh, there's a press conference and they're the new owners of the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy that they have, uh, you know, guys that are – very, they seem very passionate about the team. They want it to be successful. They said they're in. They said all the right things. Basically, they're in it for the long haul. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know them at all. I don't really know their credentials. But uh, if they have the passion and the commitment, I'm very happy that the Alouettes have owners like that. Didn't one of them? I think it was the Stern guy say like Argos suck at the press conference or something. He did. Yeah. I, they must have a, a connection to Bob Young. Bob Young must have been, um, you know, part of this deal, you know, recommended them or something like that because he was at the press conference and he did, he said something to the extent of uh, my good friend, Bob Young knows that the Argos suck. So that's why we were interested <laughs> in them. So, you know, that, that endears, um, you know, uh, them to, to us. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then their first uh, kind of hire, I guess, as owners of the team was to pluck Danny Machocha away from the University of Montreal and make him the team's general manager. I don't know about this, man. Uh, I, I talked to our buddy Cliffy out in Montreal, kind of, what's your take on this? And his response was, this reminds me of Nick Saban going to coach the Miami Dolphins. And... Obviously, Machocha had a ton of success in Montreal uh, as their head coach and kind of running the football program there. But uh, I don't know, man. His his tenure in Edmonton, I know he won a Grey Cup, but I know that that's all. Everyone who wants to throw it back on the Machocha doubters that he can do it was like, he won a Grey Cup in Edmonton. And then he kind of tanked that team. I I don't know, man. This This just feels like you're reaching into a way too far past to try to try to make make a, a splashy hire and I, I mean obviously give it time maybe he'll prove me wrong uh, I know I, I had a lot of uh, Marcel Desjardins uh, hot takes way back when and then they won a great cup and people like to throw it in my face but I mean look where we are now and Red Blacks fans have turned on Desjardins I, I don't know I, I don't I just don't like this move I, I feel like there were younger up-and-coming guys and maybe as, as much as it would have sucked you pluck one of the guys one of the co-GMs here in Hamilton to run the show there I feel like there was, there were better long-term names that weren't as splashy as Danny Machocha to make as the general manager. This, 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 this has mistake written all over it for me. Now, was he the GM and head coach in Edmonton? I think so. 
Okay. Well, maybe he had too much on his plates. Um, I'm kind of indifferent to that. I think, let's be real here. He, the part of the reason he was hired is because he he's bilingual, right? I mean, he yep. can speak French fluently. That's a big thing with Montreal-based teams. I, I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, and it drives me absolutely nuts that they will not look outside of head coaches that aren't French or GMs that aren't French. Just get get the best guy you can. Absolutely. That being said, I think that Danny Machocha, you know, the track record isn't there. You know, I know he won a great cup, but he had some hard years after that. But I think that people are just dumping on him too much. Um, we're going to see. I don't know how it's going to go, but uh, maybe his time in Montreal. You know, he has a lot of football experience, so he, he knows the, the province of Quebec really well. Um I'm kind of on the fence with it. I don't think it's like the the worst hire in the world, but uh, I don't think it's the the best one either. All right, that, that I mean that's totally fair. So I just I just think of Edmonton. What did they make like the playoffs like 35 years in a row or something? And then right. I, I don't know. I don't know. There's just there, there's baggage with him. Obviously, hey, it's you know what? It's not our team. So if he tanks them, I mean yeah. it helps the Titans. So I don't really care. I just. Uh, you, you don't you don't want to see a team like Montreal who just got back to relevancy, who just looked like oh my god they finally turned the corner, they got the coach, they got the quarterback. Okay, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll give it time. Let, let's let's give it some time, see what he can do. Let, let's see what he does in free agency, bringing some guys in. Maybe he makes this team better. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sold. Uh, I'm also not entirely sold on Nick Arbuckle, and he gets traded from the Calgary Stampeders. The Ottawa Red Blacks. Now he is a pending free agent uh, in uh, in mid February, obviously. So this is more of a, and I think we talked about it a little earlier, a Mike Riley situation where BC dealt him to Edmonton in in the off season, so they had this exclusive window to negotiate with him. Obviously, Riley signs uh, a, a contract with Edmonton, and you know the rest is history. So the Red Blacks sent a third round pick to Calgary for the rights to Arbuckle with the addendum of if Arbuckle signs, the teams will swap first round picks, meaning the Stamps would get the number one overall pick and Ottawa would drop down to the number six pick. With Ryan Dinwiddie getting hired in Toronto, who was the, I think he was the quarterback's coach in Calgary last year. What do you think, man? Do you think Arbuckle's a lock to sign in Ottawa or do you think that he tests free agency and sees what maybe the Argos have to offer? I don't think it's a lock by any means. You know, Marcel Dejeran has a history of not wanting to pay. Um, he's cheap, big money. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. He, he's uh, a little bit frugal. Um, so maybe he lowballs Arbuckle and we see Arbuckle sign in Toronto, as you mentioned, with uh, a coach he's familiar with, with Ryan Dinwiddie. And we see Nichols. Because he has no real other options if he wants to be a starting quarterback in this league, signed in Ottawa with also a coach that he's very familiar with in Paul Lapolice. So okay. um, it's tough to say what's going to happen, but I, I could see that happening. I could see Arbuckle ended up in Toronto and Nichols in Ottawa. I think that's a, that's a, a, those fits make sense. They, they make a lot of sense. And you say, I said he's cheap. You said he's frugal. You're a little nicer than I am. He has this idea of this is how much I'm gonna I'm willing to pay at a position and I'm not budging from that. That is why Trevor Harris essentially isn't in Ottawa anymore. Yep. He wants to pay a certain amount of money for a position and he will not budge from that. 
So if you're Nick Arbuckle and he goes, I will give you, let's say the max is Cody Fajardo money, which would be a massive raise for Nick Arbuckle, mm-hmm. who hasn't proven a ton. I mean, he got a, he got a fair bit of playing time when Bo Levi Mitchell got hurt, and that's why he's such such a hot commodity right now. But it's not like he's he's a proven commodity. So if Ottawa says we're giving you four fifty and that's it, take it or leave it. Why wouldn't you, if you're Arbuckle, wait and see? Okay, let's go to let's go to Toronto. What are you willing to offer? And maybe it's the same amount, but he's more co- like to me. It's not a slam dunk that Arbuckle signs in Ottawa. And I, again, I'm sure people are going to say that this is my anti Red Blacks bias, but. If they don't get him signed now, yes, they have Matt Nichols to fall back on, and that's likely the the secondary option. It might even be the better option for Ottawa, given his comfortability with Paul Lapolis's system. But to me, if Arbuckle doesn't sign after you had like two and a half months to to talk exclusively with him, and you sent a third round pick to get him, I think this is an indictment on Marcel Desjardins' ability as a general manager. We've seen him lose guys over and over and over again, and talk negatively about them when they leave. And mm-hmm. you get the possibility of signing a, I think, a 25-year-old quarterback who a lot of people believe could be a very, very significant contributor in this league. I won't, I hesitate to say star because everyone wants to call everyone a star, but he could be a, a long-term starting quarterback for you, and you muff that up? I don't know, man. That that wouldn't speak well to the general manager. I mean, they there was a feud between the general manager and the coach, and ownership chose the general manager. Now, if he buggers this up and they go 6-12 and 12 next year and miss the playoffs, you got to think that he's out on his ass at the end of the year. you got to think that because he just he hasn't learned from his mistakes. You know, he went into the season last year with um, unproven quarterbacks, and you see what a, what a mess it turned out to be. So if he doesn't lock down a quality starting quarterback this year, which, you know, if he doesn't get Arbuckle, you got to think he's going to get Nichols. But if it doesn't work out, yeah, you got to think he's going to be gone, and uh, he, it's going to be tough for him to get another GM job in this league the way that he's muffed up uh, the Red Blacks after winning a Grey Cup and being being in a couple as well. Yeah, it's it'll be <clears> – pardon me. It'll be interesting to follow where that goes. Uh, more quarterback news from around the league. Zach Caleros re-upped on a two-year deal with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for – I mean, this is kind of substantial money. We, we actually have hard numbers on this one, unlike some of these other deals. He gets $440,000 in the first year, $450,000 in the second year, and got a $225,000 signing bonus. I, I hated the Ticats losing to Grey Cup, but Zach Caleros winning one and sort of the redemption tour that he went on, I think that's a really great story. I don't know if I think, especially now that this also means because of the trade of Winnipeg and uh, and Toronto, that the Argos get Winnipeg's first round pick in this upcoming draft. I don't know if I would have made this significant an investment in Zach Caleros because I think the one thing we know is that teams that have done this, he's one hit away from being on the sidelines for three months. And I hate to say that because I, I like watching him play, but... This feels like recency bias to me. This feels like they knew they needed to get something, and this was sort of the, their best option. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he can do uh, with a full year, full training camp in Winnipeg, but now they got a new offensive coordinator, so who knows if they're going to be as good. I, I don't know, man. There's a lot, I think there's a lot of questions, question marks, I mean, that I have around this signing. What say you? 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And you have to look at the fact that what if Strebler's not back too? Because he's getting looks in the NFL. He took the load off of of uh, you know Caleros quite a bit. Um, you know, there's there's less risk for injury when you're doing uh, a two quarterback system. Um, if he's going to be in there every single snap, there's going to be more of a chance he's going to get injured. So that that that's a big factor as well. So yeah, I think it's a I think it's a risk. Um, he won them a great cup, and you know I appreciate that they paid him. Um, you know, give them the, the respect that he deserved, but I hope I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, you're just, like you said, it is one big hit away from him being injured and then you not having a quality backup to replace him. Does Winnipeg feel like a candidate for you for a team that will plummet in the standings this year? Like I know they were only third in the West last year, but they were what, 11 and seven. Mm-hmm. This feels like this could be a team, like you lose La Police, who's, I don't think I think it's I think it's fair to say he might be the best offensive mind in the league right now. You lose him, uh, you're a year older with Andrew Harris. You, you bring in a quarterback in Zach Caleros, who you're giving starters money to. Now again, it's not it's not huge money. It's not Bo Levi, Mike Riley money, but this is still a significant amount of money to give a guy like Zach Caleros. You you bring him you bring him back. You got a receiving core that wasn't great last year. I don't know if they're going to be even as good this year. Uh, you might lose Willie Jefferson either to the NFL or possibly to a, to another team in free agency. There's a lot of losses on this Bombers team, and putting all your eggs in the Caleros basket feels like this could be a team that goes from Grey Cup champions to fifth in the West and out of the playoffs. Yeah, it's a possibility because they also lost some guys in that secondary, which was a big strength mm-hmm. of theirs. It's been a big strength of theirs for – for many years now, I believe Justin Rose. Uh, yeah, NFL. NFL opportunities. I think there was another guy who got released for NFL opportunities. Yep. If, if, I, if I, I'm right on that, um, so yeah, they've you know they, it happens all the time in every league. You win a championship, you're going to get cherry picked from other teams, coaches, players, all that, and they're yeah they they've lost quite a bit already. So it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from all those losses. Last but certainly not least, or maybe in your mind, Mike, this is least. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes, who lost William Stanback, released him to pursue NFL opportunities, have found their replacement running back, and boy, oh boy, it is your buddy James Wilder Jr. Signed to a one-year deal. Mike, the floor is yours, buddy. I'm just looking forward to watching James Wilder Jr. underperform once again this season it's going to be tremendous to watch no but <laughs> realistically i think that this is a better situation for him in montreal than it was in toronto last year uh you know the offensive line just was not opening holes up for james wilder jr he was getting smacked in the backfield constantly so um yeah i think that he will be more productive uh this year than he was last year but that's not saying much does he go for a thousand thousand mike Hell no, he doesn't go for a thousand. <laughs> Does know? he go for maybe 500, 500? That's a possibility, I suppose. <laughs> I, I, I could see him going for a thousand yards rushing and like under 500 receiving. Um, he's, he's, listen, he, you know, I'm not a huge fan of him, but if he's on his game and he has the offensive line in front of him, he can be a really productive running back in this league. He's, he is a beast. He can run over guys. He has really good speed. So he is a good running back. But, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how he does in Montreal. 
I mean, he's a good running back unless he, you know, plays the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who the Montreal Alouettes have on the schedule three times this year. So, I don't know, man. He's never really had a big game against the Tabbies, and Simone Lawrence kind of – I'm pretty sure I saw in one of those, uh, like, mic'd up segments that Simone Lawrence said that uh, he's his daddy, he's his pops or something like that. And I think that that's uh, – I think that that'll come to fruition again in uh, the 2020 season. So, uh, Mike, that is all the news we have right now. That is everything to go through our first show of the new year, our first show of the new decade, starting the sixth season of covering Ticats football. Free agency is like a week and a half away. We'll obviously have some some stuff to talk about there. And you know what? We're going to blink, and before you know it, we're kicking off the season. Ticats and Bombers in uh, in in the hammer in, in, in mid-June. It's uh, – it feels like the season just ended, and the new one's just going to be right around the corner. Yeah, you, you know, you have that little lull um, after the CFL season, and you, you know, I, I'm happy to take a little break from the CFL and you know, watch the NFL, of course. But now I'm starting to get uh, you know excited again about this upcoming season. I'm over the Great Cup loss. It's on to next season, and uh, I'm expecting big things. See, this is why you should have been a 49ers fan because I was over the Great Cup loss like two hours after it happened. Because I watched the Niners just absolutely piss slap the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. And then I watched this team just run roughshod over the NFL for the second half of the season and, and make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Like, the Great Cup to me is a distant memory, buddy. Well, it still stings for me. Obviously, I'm the bigger fan. <laughs> I, don't have anything to, I don't have anything to go back on, um, you know, to, to lift my spirits like you did with the, with the 49ers. So, um yeah, I'm just I'm just looking forward to being disappointed again next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the next time we record, I get to uh, we get to start off the show with me talking about the Niners lifting their sixth Lombardi Trophy and handsome Jimmy G being Super Bowl MVP, and it'll be a it'll be a fun show all around. But uh, that was Podski Weeby for this week. I'm Josh Smith, and I'm Mike Graham. Eat 'em raw. Eat 'em raw. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.